Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. This episode is a big Q&A where we explore an area of marketing through a leading industry expert. I'm your host, Will Francis, and in this episode, we'll be taking a deep dive into SEO or search engine optimization. It's quite simply the business of getting a website ranked on search engine results pages. But behind the scenes, it's far from simple and one of the most misunderstood areas of digital marketing. To tell us how it really works and give us an insight into what an SEO expert actually does, we have Joe Williams, who teaches on this very subject at Tribe SEO. Joe's been an SEO for over 15 years, consulting for and training brands large and small from The Guardian, Cosmopolitan and Sky through to growth stage startups. He says he's on a mission to make SEO easy, fun and profitable. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hi, Will. I'm very, uh, very pleased to be here. I'm very intrigued um, about what you do. You know, I'm a social and content marketer and I think I know... You know, I think I've got a broad understanding of SEO, but I'm well aware that there's a lot I don't know. So my job over the next hour or so is to try and extract all the useful information in your head, because I think there's a lot of it. Um, And, uh, you know, let's get straight into it. Tell me where you think SEO is today and where's it been? What kind of journey has it been on and how has it changed in the course of your career? Okay, well, um, yeah, I've been an SEO for around 15 years. And to start with, it used to be this sort of technical thing. People would, um, you know, be looking to hire SEOs. And quite often, a website would have a lot of technical issues, and they needed to be fixed. And after that, you start to think about building your content. So I think there's been a little bit of a shift where 15 years ago, people would look look for skill sets like myself at the time, which was perhaps a little bit more technical. And the shift is kind of moving more into content and more into the promotion of content as well. So, yeah, so I think SEO is, is obviously evolving. Um, Google's algorithm is evolving. And it's more about, you know, Google has always said, focus on the user and all else will follow. And no one really took notice on that too much because you could game the system and lots of people did game the system. But I think with artificial intelligence, we're getting closer to the connection of what Google says you should do. And that's focus on the user. Right. And so is it a it seems to me it's a much broader field because, you know, you you look at things like uh, Google page speed insights and right. OK, so now I've got to be a UX expert and understand that across uh, lots of different devices, but particularly kind of mobile first. There's all that, all those other considerations now because Google's getting better at understanding the quality and relevance of content. So have you had to kind of pick up a lot of new skills along the way? Um, yeah, I definitely say so. I think, um, you know, SEO used to kind of be this silo that sat below marketing whereas now it's it's kind of part of marketing. So, you know, site speed, for example, that kind of does come back to focusing on the user. It's, it's having a good user experience. And being an SEO doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be, you know, have the technical knowledge of a web developer to make sure your website is really is, is, is loading quick. You just need to be able to diagnose it and kind of... Exactly. You need, to, you need to know what the benchmarks are, what's, you know, acceptable time, what's not acceptable, and just have a little bit more advanced knowledge than perhaps your average 
person that looks after a website to just encourage your web developer to to make the changes that needs to, needs to needs to happen in that context in a more technical um, space. So I suppose so. Modern SEO is basically three disciplines. Yes. Yes. We. In in fact, not just I, I would. If if I'm thinking of the same three well, three. It, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you go. Well, I think it's content. Yeah. Technical. Yeah. And what's the other one? We've got content, technical, and links. links. Um, we we sometimes say on page, which is content, off page, which is links, and then the, the technical's the same. And the the strange thing is, is in the time that I've been in SEO, those three um, core areas of SEO existed back 15, 20 years ago. So they haven't changed. They're kind of like the core principles to SEO. What has changed is that search engines have got smarter in understanding what's genuinely good co- content that helps the user and is relevant and what's less good, less less quality content. And that perhaps is actually trying to game the system and, and manipulate the system. So the the broad principles are still the same, which I, which I quite like because it kind of means we don't have to change our strategy on a day-to-day basis. But what is happening is there's, there's some nuances that are changing. And Google, Google built itself um, in terms of being the, the, the most popular search engine based on its links algorithm. So, so PageRank is all about how reputation flows um, across the internet and between web pages. And prior to that, it used to be very much to do with keywords and content and a few technical things, but it was in isolation. It, it wasn't seeing how web pages are connected together. And, and you know, I think it was 1998 Google was, was released and by 2000, 2001, it was pretty much the most popular search engine. And that was predominantly because of its page rank algorithm that was able to provide better results. And that page rank algorithm was, was quite dominant for a, a number of years, 10 plus years as, as the driving factor, in my opinion, in, in how Google decided what results to show the user. But that's, you know, over the last particularly six years since Google updated its main algorithm to, to to name it as Hummingbird, there's been a shift and, you know, the links are still important, still very important, but there's a shift more between content and having a really good user experience. That's really fascinating. I have to admit, I definitely keyword stuffed in the late 90s with my first website. I think we all, we all did a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but um, okay, and so... Um, you, you actually used the term search engines just there. I mean, we all imagine that SEOs just think about Google. Do you actually consider other search engines? I think it depends on the context, but I think for most people, um, you know, I, I quite often use Google, Google and a search engine interchangeable. Same here. Um, and, you know, for most um, most countries in the world, it's around 90% of people use Google as their, you know, as a search engine, certainly in the UK, in the US, I think, you know, we've got exceptions with, um, you know, like South Korea, we've got exceptions with China and Russia, but, you know, outside of those countries, it's usually Google is, is the main search engine. And my kind of take on it is, you know, even, you know, when we look at Bing and Yahoo, um, it, it's it's what, what works well for Google kind of works well broadly for for, for Bing and Yahoo as well, and, and other search engines. There are obviously subtle differences, but I think as a, as a general rule, 
um, you know, that's kind of my take on it. Now, obviously, there's there's the kind of non-traditional search engines, you know, with Echo and Alexa kind of on the rise. Um, but, you know, I think predominantly, I, I, you know, I think most people are talking about Google when they're talking about search engine optimization. And just on an, just a small note on that, do you how do you regard um, search engines, alternative search engines like DuckDuckGo? That are because that are more privacy focused and have a more mm, argue, sort of well, it seems to be a more user centric value yeah. to their business. Is that is that a thing we should be considering? Or I I mean I I like the I, I like you know that, that go and I like to see new search engines you know being given a go. Mm. Um, you know I would say it's it's it, the reality is from a commercial perspective if you're a business. It's more of a let's keep a watch a watcher on it and see what happens. And you know, if you take your private, you know, if, if you're a user and you prefer to use DuckDuckGo um, for, for privacy reasons, then that's that's cool, you know. But I think from a commercial perspective, I don't know what the latest numbers are for DuckDuckGo, but my guess would be it would be like maybe half a percent or, or less potentially. I would say. Um, so, so yeah, it depends on your outlook really. But I think you know we. In terms of having a focus, I would kind of f- focus on um, yeah Google f- Google first, and then just see how that cascades with some of the smaller search engines as well. Yeah, um, and thinking thinking more broadly in terms of marketing, how does you know today how does SEO kind of intersect and interact with other trending disciplines, particularly thinking about social media and content marketing? Yeah, so yeah, you know they they the I think. Th- Today's sort of modern marketer should be linking linking those three disciplines together. So, you know, the whole idea with search engine optimization, if we think about the links side of things, this is all about making your web website more reputable, building the social proof of your web web pages. And do we know much about how much how much notice Google takes of social links? Do do we know much about that? We we do. I mean it's it's a little bit mixed in terms of what what people um you know what people's view is on it. But as as a general um as a general feeling, my sort of take on social media links is um the the, the link that you get from a social media profile won't necessarily benefit you that much in terms of reputation being passed from an SEO perspective to your site. But the real benefit is the eyeballs. So if you're being shared on, say, Twitter, for example, by someone who's got a lot of followers, potentially some of those followers may be maybe potential customers, but they may be potential journalists or bloggers. And then you can kind of get the more traditional links um, from other websites, which tend to have more of a benefit in terms of page rank and reputation. Um, but, you know, but interestingly, you know, um, with the new kind of no follow announcement, which, you know, happened around a week or two ago, you know, Google is changing its its sort of tact a little bit in terms of how it treats no follow. So particularly with UGC, user generated content. So in the in the past, when we saw a no follow link on a Web page, really what we were instructing search engines to do from an from an SEO perspective is not to pass reputation from one web page to another. It wasn't saying that it, it was a bad page that was being linked to, but it was just, it, you know, if it was a blog comment, it was just saying to the search engines, you know, this is a blog comment. We can't endorse what this commenter is saying. Likewise, if, if, if it was a paid link, it wasn't saying that the link it was linking to was, was bad. It was just saying that that link, um, 
you know, they were neutral in, in, in terms of endorsing it. So I think may, maybe, there, maybe there will be a bit of a shift where social media can play a bigger part in terms of search engines and reputation, because where links have been no followed in the past, what Google is saying now is rather than taking that as being really definitive and that re no reputation will be passed, it's now looking at it as more as a, of a hint that perhaps reputation shouldn't be passed. But mm. with Google's algorithm, artificial intelligence, it may say, well, we know a bit about this commenter on this blogger and they have a reputation. So perhaps we will pass some reputation through a no-followed uh, link. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I suppose there's some webmasters, as they used to be called, that would um, worry about that, you know, worry that their instruction wasn't absolute, I suppose. But... Um, it's Google's product and we have to trust that they're keeping their search results as relevant as possible through AI and machine learning. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it is, it is Google's rules, you know, it's, yeah. it's Google's algorithm. So I think we just need to kind of adapt and evolve. And I think that the reality is, even with this new um, no-follow um, announcement by Google, I don't think it's going to change the, the state of play that much. Um, and, and also, we don't really know how it's going to be treated until the, t the dust settles. Mm. And that's quite a common thing in the SEO industry is you'll see an announcement and you'll get quite a lot of SEO experts giving their commentary in terms of how this may be interpreted. Mm. But we don't tend to really know until, you know, maybe a few months down the line, maybe Google will have made a second or third announcement. And that's maybe one tip that I would have for people who are learning SEO is, you know, don't always take what's on face value, you know, with, within the week of, a, of an, an announcement. It's usually maybe some experts making predictions, which may or may not be true. Um, and it's, you know, it's personal in interpretation. So it's just, it's just building, building your layer of knowledge um, over time, really, and then getting a collective view on, on what you think's happening. And on that, how do you keep so in touch with the world of SEO? How do you kind of and, and, and how do you do that without spending all day reading blogs? OK, yeah. So, um, I mean, a lot of SEOs are on Twitter. It seems to be the, the social media site where they're most um, most active. Um, and, you know, if you're very and I think you can either be very active yourself where you're posting a lot on Twitter. And I think there's no getting around. You have to kind of spend time doing it. But if you want to take it more from a learning perspective, one thing that I do is I use a website called nuzzle.com. That's N-U-Z-Z. -Z. I think it's E-L.com. It I love Nuzzle. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's a great tool. And the nice thing is I follow quite a lot of people on Twitter. But re the reality is there's only a select few that or maybe around 100 that I actually genuinely think these guys are really sort of knowledgeable around SEO. I want to stay up to date with what they're talking about, what they're sharing. So I submit a Twitter list to Nuzzle. And then what that means is I can then, at any time, I can just log on to Nuzzle rather than social media. I can see the most recent posts that people I trust are sharing, or I just get a, an email summary around four o'clock um, every day. And I think what that allows me to do is, it, it, it's like you can easily kind of, you can get very distracted on social media. So it feels like I'm staying in touch with people that I trust without necessarily spending too much time. And what's quite good is you get a, when you when you see a, you know, an article, the most shared article by your friends, it's rated by how many shares they've had. So they'll, they'll sort of come 
more predominantly. And you can actually start to see pictures of the people who have shared it. And you see their commentary. I find that really useful because when I see one of the top shared pieces of content on Nuzzle, what I also want to know is what what does the community think about that? Why are they sharing that? Are they saying that because they could be sharing it as going, oh, my God, this is a load of rubbish. Yeah. Or they could be sharing it in a positive way. Or So I think that's one of the really good strengths of Nuzzle. You get a very quick hot take on what's being shared, but what people think about it. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, yeah, it's a great tool to check out. It's also... It's also, I think they've got a premium version, but I just use the free version. So um, I'm far too cheap to pay for <laughs> the premium version. Yeah, I am. Personally. No, me, me too. So um, definitely worth checking out that one. Okay, so um, let's talk about you. Um, I, what I, I'm, I'm really interested in is how did you get into SEO? But more specifically, you know, what at what point did you realise? this is the thing I want to really focus my career on. And what, what, why, what was that kind of moment? Okay. Yeah. So, um, I would, I would probably guess it was around 2004, maybe I'd finished university. I had been traveling. I had what I considered a really boring job, um, in Swansea. And it was, it was, it was looking after an IT system for a, a property company and it was very much to do with databases and SQL. Now I know that's an ideal job for, you know, probably many people, but for me it just really wasn't very interesting and um it was quite a well-paid job and then after 3 days I just handed my notice in and I was just like, you know, I've had enough. I'm I'm going to find something that I'm genuinely interested in. And, you know, just out of uni I was still living with my parents and I told my parents I was going to start I start an online business and I think they were they were quite skeptical and they asked my older brothers whether they thought it was a good idea but the you know this is around 2004 and you came out of uni quite tech savvy because you'd done computational science what was it you did? it's computing informatics That's right, so yeah. str- strangely we didn't talk very much about SEO um, in that degree and and it was only a small amount of websites but it was it was probably quite a good background to be able to start and build a website and um, I think WordPress was 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 out at that stage, but I hadn't heard of it, so I, I sort of built it from scratch. Um, and the the website was it was called OpeningHours.net. Um, I've since sold it, but it was just essentially, you know, if you typed in Tesco's opening hours or maybe you know your, your local supermarket opening hours, it was actually quite hard at the time to find the results either on Google or on the actual websites. So I created a site which basically collated all the opening hours for popular stores. Um, and then once someone found the opening hours, it would there would be a little message below it or a little box saying, hey, have you thought about buying this product online? Um, because at that stage, people w- w- were quite new to spending money online. Um, and then I would get a little commission if they clicked on my link, it sent them to the store and, Such I, a good idea. and I might get like two or three percent commission um, or it might be like if they were a new customer, I might get like 20 pounds or something like that. And I was like, you know, I was I just remember I'd, I'd be getting up early. I'd be I'd be finishing quite late. And I at the time you could make a, one, a small tweak um, to a Web page. You'd wait for it to get crawled and indexed, maybe just change the alt text of an image on a page. And I was like, aha, I've, I've climbed up a couple of places. And it's not quite the same now as making small changes and, and seeing immediately benefits. It takes a little bit longer normally. But I was like, right, I'm really interested in SEO, um, more so than building websites. 
I'm not, I, I couldn't see myself, you know, my, my full-time business being op- op- about opening hours of companies. It wasn't, wasn't that interesting, but I, I was quite convinced that if I had stuck with that, I could see that it had the potential to make some good money. Um, but I decided to move to London. I sold the website um, and just started working, um, working in SEO for, for a few different companies. Right. Okay. And uh, so you worked in an agency, did you? Is that, is that where you kind of started out? Or Yeah, I actually started out um, in a uh, in-house. So it was for an online maths um, tuition website. Um, and that was really interesting. So I was kind of more of a broader marketer or really, really a broader digital marketer. So I was dealing with affiliates. I was doing Google ads. I was doing SEO. Um, but I think I realized that it was SEO that I was most interested in. Um, but yeah, where I probably learned SEO with my steepest learning curve would have been a year or so later when I moved to an agency um, and yeah, just really specialized in SEO. And okay. And um, what sort of, I mean, what sort of things did you try in those early days, you know, and you know, at what point did you realize you were quite good at it and had a knack at it, if you know what I mean? Um, I think, I think when I realized I was quite good at it, I guess, if, you know, sometimes oh. I want to keep it, I want to, want to keep it a little <laughs> modest. Yeah. Um, but no, I think what I found was, um, I think once you have a base level of SEO, it's a lot to do with common sense. And I don't mean necessarily common sense as we think of common sense generally. I think if you haven't got general common sense you can still have seo common sense and then even though you've got a base level of seo you can start putting the pieces together and predicting how things will work and in my early stage of seo i'd be like well i actually think it works like this Mm -hmm. and then you know maybe a few months later i'd read a blog post by an seo that i valued and he would talk about this new idea this new topic and i was kind of thinking hey i had that idea but um of course i hadn't hadn't written about it publicly, but I just kind of felt like it kind of worked in terms of how my, my brain worked. It seemed to, it just seemed to make sense to me, SEO. That's good. That's cool. That's very handy because it is a very, it, I think it will always be an in-demand. And like I said, I think it's, I think it's quite misunderstood. I think it's, it's a bit like being a drummer. I'm, I'm a drummer, right? So you're always in demand because it's not maybe the most popular route it's not the because it's not the easiest. It's hard. Yeah. Turning up and doing it is a lot harder than the guy who just turns up with a microphone or uses the venue's microphone. And then yeah. you know, anyway, um, that's the best analogy I've got. But um, so I, I think you'll always be in demand. But how do you feel then being a specialist in a world where I think that I think specialism is thriving today? Um, uh, I mean, a lot of people talk about generalism as well, but I do think that more and more, you know, agencies and uh, freelancers are banding together around projects yeah. rather than everything being under the auspices of one agency. Um, and I think we're all getting the benefit of that. But how do you fit into? Well, yeah, I think this is a good point. Generalism specialist. And I was probably a generalist for the first year or two to and probably that, you know, the majority of the last 15 years, I would say I've been more of a specialist. And an analogy that I would maybe give you is, you know, let's imagine that you've been playing squash for, you know, years and years. Um, and, you know, you're, you, you, there's a lot of, or maybe even tennis. And at a certain point, you're getting to a very good level and you're, you're getting problems with your knee. 
And, you know, you could you could go to your local doctor, your local GP, and you could say, hey, I've got this problem with my knee. Um, I've been playing a lot of squash, a lot of tennis. Can you help? Or, you know, you could find a knee specialist who specializes in sports injuries. And, you know, he has looked after and repaired a lot of damaged knees in his time. And, you know, there's, there's a difference there between being an expert in something or more of a generalist. And I know that if I really valued my squash or my tennis, um, then I would probably want to see the knee specialist. You know, that that would kind of be my my, my direction that I would go to. And I think as you start to develop your career in digital marketing, unless you sort of stay in-house and maybe the in-house company isn't that big, mm. then... Where you, where you have to be general. Where you have to be yeah. general. And to be honest, I think it's really good to start off general because you understand how all these other areas all talk and link together. Okay. Like my my Google Ads knowledge maybe isn't as relevant as, you know, as an expert like now, and it, it, it isn't as relevant. But at one stage, I would say that I was kind of very close to sort of being a specialist in Google Ads. It was kind of that and SEO. And the two were obviously very, very linked together. So if I didn't understand how Google Ads work, then I don't think I would be as strong as I am now in, in SEO. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think it really depends. I think, you know, if you want to be an expert, if you want people, you know, if you want to be speaking about topics, then it helps to be a specialist. If you want to be noticed and recommended by people, you know, some people call me Joe the SEO. I, I've seen I, I'm, I'm not Joe the digital marketer. And, you know, it's kind of like someone, you know, you're, you're in a cafe or in a bar and it's like, oh, I've got this real problem with my SEO. It's like you need to speak to Joe the SEO. And it, whereas if you're more of a generalist, it's kind of like, well, I, I'm sure I know someone who can help, but I'll, it'll come to me later. So... There's less of an obvious link between the, the problem and the solution, which, which is you. And there's also far more competition, you know, as a generalist yeah. um, or as a small agency that generalizes in digital marketing. You know, I, I, I understand that, that you're just up against so many people. Whereas when you're in a specialism and particularly SEO, I do think, I don't know if you agree, but I do think it's definitely one of the smaller specialisms or, it's, you know, it's one of the rarer specialisms rather. Um, so I do think that's, uh, you know, uh, a lot to think about there in terms of kind of building a career um and and another kind of you know um decision i think people are always in the process of making in marketing is to whether to be freelance or whether to work in an agency or to work in house at a brand and you've done all three yeah no I, i've done all three and i i've enjoyed all three um I mean, where did I start? I started in-house. So I started for a company, mentioned before, that did maths online tuition. The difference, the biggest difference for me between in-house and an agency, and I liked both, but in an, in in-house, you have more time to think about the, the one company and, and a bit more time to be more strategic because you are, the, the, the one goal is that business's success. And when that business becomes successful, you tend to share it as a team more. It's kind of like that. It's quite a nice that connection. Whereas in an agency, you know, you even when you, you do really good work and get good results for a client, you don't quite share the same experience of, of that win because they don't want to celebrate too much with you because they don't want you to become complacent. Um, but equally, though, we in an agency, it is fast paced, and that that it took me, you know, maybe a month or two to acclimatize to an agency. Um, but with that fast pace, you generally learn a lot quicker. Okay. 
you're, you're dealing with a, a much broader sample of websites. Um, you're learning from other people who are doing the same thing as you, whereas in, in-house it might just be you who's a digital marketer. Um, so, you know, I, I enjoyed both, but I think after perhaps, you know, maybe five years of an age, it, it working in an agency, I just, it just didn't feel right for me anymore. It kind of felt that it was hard to do right for my CEO who ran the agency and it was hard to do right for the clients. And it felt like it just, it just felt like it all came down to billable hours. It was like, yeah. can, at the end of the month, Joe, you know, you need to do your, your 120 um, billable hours per month. And it, you know, at times it could be quite hard just juggling all the balls and it was hard to give the care that you wanted to give to clients. So I think if you've got a really, if you've got an agency that's really well managed um, and they're they're profitable, so they're not worrying too much about billable hours, and you can kind of build build a product, and you can kind of look after your clients well as well. But I think for a lot of smaller agencies, it's it's hard to be profitable, and it's hard to give the support that your your clients really deserve. So I, I kind of felt like I'm gonna I'm gonna step out of this and um, and start SEO training, um, which to start with was in person SEO training. And so I suppose being being freelance and working for yourself, having those direct client relationships, even in, in, in the training sense, you, I suppose you have, you just have that satisfaction of, um, you know that you can deliver fully and properly for each client in a way that you're satisfied with and you feel good about. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's a good point with, with the freelance compared to say an agency is you it's sort of somewhere in the middle you know you're yeah. you're kind of you, you can you can give the client the care and attention that you want to give them um but at the same time you are you are separated from them so you can kind of work with other clients and learn as well so i think you know i think all three are good you know and i think you can be you can stick to just being a freelance and and raise you know raise your right your rates and you, you build your reputation and you know if you don't want to kind of uh, you know, maybe build a team or a company, then that's a good way to do it. So I think it depends on, you know, what you're, how you, how you feel comfortable. Like, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, and I think for me, I, I, if anybody asked me early in their career or any point thinking of going into marketing, what they should do, I would, I think I would always suggest spending some time in an agency, going an intern in an agency. Cause like you say, it's very fast paced. You get to work on very different accounts often unless it's a very big agency and you just get stuck on the one account but even so you're exposed to lots of different ways of working people at lots of different stages in their careers um and i think it's i think it's a massive education it was a huge education to, to me but i do think that burnout has got to be from what i've seen personally burnout is far more common in agencies and the amount of people I know that are ex-agency, you know, like my Facebook friends and LinkedIn connections that I've worked in agencies with before, half of them are running kind of yoga studios in their local communities. Yeah. And you know, it's that classic trajectory of they work t- 20 hours a day at an agency and give everything for so long. And then they just completely burn out and have a massive career change. So, you know, something to be aware of, but I think everybody should cut their teeth a little bit in that world. Yeah, no, I share, you know, a very similar um, viewpoint in that you you learn a lot very quickly. 
And, you know, the other thing as well is you learn from not just from an SEO or digital marketing perspective, but you learn to become more commercial. You learn how how other people pitch in, in meetings. And the, these, you know, I was very lucky in the agency that I was at that the CEO and the operations director I spent a lot of time with. So I learned a lot from a commercial perspective, which I think really helped. It's a very good point, especially if you're going to go freelance, you have to become your own, you know, head of new business uh, head of accounts and all that kind of stuff, the, the commercial side of it. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, totally agree with your your, your viewpoint there, Will. <laughs> um, okay, so um, so thinking more about your uh, life uh, working for yourself. So as I said, you live in what sounds like an absolutely gorgeous kind of setting um, in, uh, on the coast of Wales. But how how do you go about managing a business? You know, you're a new parent, you work from home. What are the main sort of challenges with that? Yeah, I think, I mean, just working from home is is a challenge in itself. And, you know, I think I started with a table in my bedroom and then it moved into a table in the in the lounge Ooh. and then it moved into a, its own room. Wow. Um, and now I've, I've kind of, uh, I've climbed up the kind of, almost to the dream levels of working from home. I've got a cabin outside the house. Um, and that cabin overlooks the house, which overlooks uh, a nice sea. So it, it's a lovely space to be in. And I've never had a problem with working from home in that, you know, I kind of felt lonely or I needed more connection talking to people. But I think maybe where, where I sort of struggled with more was was just being focused on what's the most important thing to do. Um, and it wasn't so much that I would get distracted with social media so much. It was more to do with um, just being curious and, and learning new things. And, and, and my, my mind would kind of wonder um, as I was investigating how to help a, a customer's problem. Um, and I think sometimes you can wonder too far, but you, you, you know, on try, you know, on try best for you on our about us page, I think we've got three values um, I better remember them now. Yeah. One is curiosity, we've got clarity, and we've got courage. And I think the first one, curiosity, is important for SEO. If you're if you're not curious around the subject, um, and I think this applies to you know all digital marketing disciplines, then I think you'll sort of struggle because to be passionate about it, and you'll you'll struggle to become a specialist. So I think that's it's a it's a really good skill to have to be curious, but at the same time you sort of need to nip it at the bud a little bit when you know at times because you need to kind of um, get get the work done that you need to do. So it's it's a bit of a balancing act. I'm terrible at that. I, I if I do if I start a piece of research before I know it, I'm on the Wikipedia page for you know the the history of kind of you know the Dutch royal family, and I don't even know why I'm there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I get lost down rabbit holes very easily. But like you, and I think a lot of marketers, we wander into marketing, we're drawn into digital marketing by our curiosity because we start tinkering with the web. That was certainly, sounds like your experience, so certainly my experience in the late 90s, just started tinkering with the web because there was this computer at home with the internet connected to it and no one was really using it much and I see what I could make and break, yeah. you know, and then before you know it, you kind of, it's a skill that you've got and you kind of, you've wandered into digital marketing somehow. So... I don't know if you can manufacture that curiosity, but it, I think it's good to be aware that a lot of the, a lot of people in marketing who really love it 
got into it because they started out just tinkering and seeing what would happen and like you with the kind of change you know changing small things and seeing if it could change what you see on a search uh, a search results page i I think we're we're all curious about something you know like it's it's having an interest in something and it's you know the for seo it's search engine optimization but i think being curious and optimizing whether it's seo or google ads or social media that's the key thing like what is optimization it's making something better it's improving it it's fine-tuning it and i think that comes from curiosity it's hard to optimize something but something just by following list after list after list True. if you're not interested in that area and you know it's i think you know it's a lesson that sometimes people learn quite late in their career that they're actually in a career that they're just not interested in at all you know and and at times we change of course we change but um yeah i think it's good to to, to allow time to be curious but to not go too wide in in your curiosity as well indeed and and just to go back to something I meant to ask you about SEO specifically, actually, talking about curiosity. I'm curious as to so in my world, I um, so I talk about social media and content marketing. I consult about it. I train about it, and I find that the same things come up again and again. People are making the same problems, almost to the point where I've I've sort of wondered. Am I replaceable? Is there a, is there a, just a really well written blog post that could replace me? Because it's the same stuff that comes up time and time and again, and it's gone beyond being a potentially random pattern. This is definitely a widespread thing. People misunderstand the role of content, the value of content, and the approach they should take to it. And it's all very simple stuff. Similarly with social, um, I find myself telling people the same three things or so. What are the things that you come across in sort of 90% of your briefs? Now, whether you consult or whether it's someone in one of your training sessions, um, you know, asking about their business. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, are you replaceable? Like, I think it's... Um, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was <laughs> sort of <yeah>. joking. <laughs> I hope no, not. No, but I, I think, like, it's, it's a good point because we're talking about, you know, we're talking about training, we're talking about digital marketing institute that offers a lot of training. And I think you can hear the same thing seven times, but one person will say it in a way that resonates with you and it will stick. And you'll and you'll learn that one important point. thing of the three things. That makes me feel a lot better. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> You're valuable, well, yeah. very valuable. Um, but no, in terms of some of the things, the common things, the mistakes that people make, um, I would say one of the sort of, I wouldn't quite say it's a schoolboy error because it's something that that a lot of people do when they're new to SEO. But, you know, you might research a page um, and it might be quite a specific page, but you're researching keywords that are too general. Um, so, you know, it might be, um, let me have a think, you know, it might be something like you're looking at a luxury Botswana safari page and, you know, it's very specifically about, safaris in Botswana but you're going a little bit too broad where you might be you know you might put in Botswana as the keyword um Botswana holidays probably should be in there but it's it's all about really you know if we if we think about what Google wants it wants to understand the user intent of the keyword and it wants to deliver a page that's super relevant to that keyword and that user intent. So that's the first one, is, is, is trying to go for keywords that are too general for the user intent of the page you're optimizing. Another one is getting too obsessed with like the, 
the kind of trophy keyword in your industry. So, you know, it could be, you know, in, in the UK, we say ski holidays. In America, it's ski vacations. But, you know, I, I remember working for a, um, they were a, they were a specialist self-driven ski holidays company in Europe. So it was, it was quite niche. It was self-driven. Um, it was lots of nice, quaint um, places you would stay in France predominantly. And, you know, every meeting we would have, it would be, you know, how are we getting on for ski holidays? You know, that's that was the focus that they wanted to rank for ski holidays. But the reality is they, they only targeted, they only had locations in Europe, predominantly France, and they were for... Um, you know, for self self driven ski holidays. But so they it, really wanted ski holidays. Yeah, but but if you yeah. if you think about it, focus on the user. Like if someone's typed in ski holidays, we don't know whether they want to go to Canada. We don't know if it's somewhere in the US. We actually we, we don't know. So that like really what 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 would probably be the best in that case is kind of like being the Amazon of the ski industry, where you've got all the products covered pretty well. You're, you're talking about topics within the ski holidays. That's probably the page that Google wants to pick. And also that keyword probably won't convert very well. If someone's typed in ski holidays and you are number three, but you only offer holidays in France. Now, if, if it's a UK searcher, maybe maybe 30% of searches actually are interested in going into France. But probably of those 30%, most of them want to fly. Like I know, I know I'm not the type that would probably want to um, you know, to get in the car for 10 or 12 hours. Um, now, I know in America, you, that's not a very long car journey. But, you know, it, for me, it, that's a long car journey. And I would be I would be tired starting my ski holiday. But that's a different type of person. So I think that's another thing to think about, really, is, yes, there's always going to be a trophy keyword in your industry. And it's not to discourage you from targeting that keyword, but it's to just kind of focus more on the specific Sometimes the mid, you know, not so much a long tail specific keyword, not so much the the fat head like ski holidays. It's somewhere in the middle. Like it's it's to get a balance. So so yeah, that's that's what one would be um, going too general. The second one would be going for the trophy keyword. Um, I think another one would be I just don't feel ready to start. You know, there's so there's so much to do. I don't feel ready to start. And I think the reality is you just got to start before you feel ready. Like that's the way you generally get good at anything. You know, it's kind of like if you want to, you know, as a kid, if you want to go swimming um, and you've, you've never swam before and, you, you know, you're five years old and you say, tell me all the theory before I jump in the pool. You know, you're not going to get really far. You just got to jump in and start swimming. And I think it's it's definitely the same with SEO. It's it, you don't want to get too bogged down with everything. You just want to, you know, get going and, and, and try and make progress. And then as you make small progress, you build up your knowledge and just keep going. But that's that's the thing about SEO. It's it's hard and it's a bit daunting. And I, I suppose I'd be really interested to know to what extent do you come across the attitude, well, I mean, yeah, we could sort our SEO out, but there are quicker wins here. We're just going to, we'd love to spend the money doing SEO, but actually we're going to spend it on content or social or PPC because I can see that work from tomorrow onwards yeah i mean if we look at it from an roi return on investment perspective it's easier to track google ads or facebook ads and you do get quicker results so i think if you're looking at it from a short-term perspective maybe advertising is a more appealing route but at the same time advertising you know at the cost of advertising generally 
goes up as the market becomes more saturated. So you could be in a position where your advertising is working very, very well at the moment, but you know, in six months time, 12 months time, maybe Google, maybe Facebook changes its algorithm. It's, you know, it, you're at the mercy of the rules of, you know, in this case, Facebook or your marketplace, how, how, how um, saturated it becomes. But with SEO, it's, I think, you know, it is, it is a longer term play. Um, and the investment that you're putting in now might not be getting you the results tomorrow, but it will, you know, if you do it right, it will get you the results in the future, but it also will get you results after that moment that you start to rank. So I think another myth that I hear is, you know, I'm very pro you should be, you know, taking SEO seriously and this, and you should be working on it every month. But the reality is if you, you know, if you ranked in the top three positions for your most important keywords, and actually did no SEO at all, I would I would likely, I, I suspect, you know, not that I would recommend doing this, but I suspect you'd probably get some, you know, you know, six months, you wouldn't notice a massive difference, maybe even a year. So there is this kind of hard to kind of quantify value of SEO that yes, you put the work in at the beginning, but you're going to get the rewards later. But even later when you do get the rewards, You've kind of you've kind of almost earned this um, this kind of steady flow of customers afterwards. So it's kind of you know it's it take it takes a bit longer to get right, but it's the rewards I think are, are kind of bigger and 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 also it's not an advert. And I think people when they click on an advert and they know it's an advert, um, they, they respond a little bit differently. And if it, you know in some cases that's what people want. They they want to buy a product. They see an advert. They're very happy to click on it. But I think some when it's not an advert, you know, more people click on the SEO results compared to Google ads. And it's because they know that those those results, they've kind of earned the right to be there. And that's kind of that's kind of why I think SEO works well. Um, so you in your um, I'm imagining in your pitch documents, your pitch deck that you don't promise you, you don't sort of talk about the results in in that sense you know obviously you you, you can't promise someone's going to be a cuz cuz you must have people asking you that can you get me on the first page of google H- how do you um do you just explain basically what you've just explained to me in re- in response or yeah. do you ever talk about the likely results of your well, work well google you know if if you read through some of like google's faqs about around seo they say no one should be guaranteeing results you know like it's something that Google doesn't recommend. And it and you can't really because you don't know the resources that a competitor or several competitors are, are, are going to put into the area. But I think you can, you know, you, with SEO, you can evolve and adapt. So if you've, you're finding that your, your target keywords um, are really competitive and they're taking longer to rank for, then, you know, there's the long tail keywords, the more specific keywords that, that account for 70% of um, the overall search traffic. And you can kind of evolve and adapt your strategy. So, yeah, in a pitch, it would be like, look, SEO does take time. It depends on where you're starting from. If you're starting from scratch and it's in a really, really competitive industry and you've got a very modest budget in terms of what you're prepared to um, spend in terms of content and someone looking after the content and optimizing it, you know, maybe that's not a good a good thing to do to spend money on SEO because it's such a competitive industry and you've got a very small budget. But, you know, if you do have the time and resources and maybe you're starting from a base level where, you know, you're on the second and third page for a 
in you know a kind of mid-range competitive industry you know like that's kind of as an seo you're kind of licking your lips a little bit thinking i know that they're not very far away from actually this making a big difference and there's there's a tipping point when you start firstly when you start to get onto the first page of google and then secondly when you're in the top half of the first page of google and it's kind of like up until that point it kind of feels like put a lot of work in but i'm not really seeing a huge amount of results and what is that difference if you could just quick very quickly quantify it just very very roughly what's the difference between being not on the first page bottom of the first page top of the first page yeah like i would say you know not on the first page it's like a real it's like a you know if it was a stream it would be like a trickle coming out of a rock you know you'd you'd barely you'd barely be able to wash your face with the water okay. um if if you're on the second page of google like maybe the second half you know, it's it, you can wash. You know, it's, it's it's a decent stream coming out. You know, you you're not you're not going to drown yourself in it or anything like that. But um, it's a, it's a decent flow, and you're you're getting a sense of this is starting to work. And then as you're on the, the top half, you know, it, it's quite a powerful um, you know, stream. You know, if it was a vertical stream, you could probably <laughs> sh- shower in it. That okay. that type of thing. It's good but, to see it through that lens of. Uh personal evolutions but yeah yeah it, but it, and, but, it, but very roughly you know you're going to get twice as much traffic for, for in position one compared to two wow. um and you, you know it, it is significant the jumps the higher you get at the top and it's not to say that you need to be in position one you know i think when someone's serious it depends on the product but when someone's serious on a product and they're spending particularly if they're spending a bit of money they're gonna they're gonna pro- you know do a bit of research so you know, um, it's not all about being number one, but at the same time, it's having that appreciation that don't get, you know, one of, one of my kind of keys is if you're just starting out and you haven't got too much progress, you know, SEO experts will say it's all about tracking conversions. It's all about tracking sales, tracking website traffic. And the, the, these are important things, but more when you're established in your SEO. But I would say initially track keywords because it shows progress. You might be moving from page, you know, page six to page five, maybe 65. Just to see that sort of, you know, uh, direction of movement. It's giving you a pat on the back that you are making progress. Things are moving in the right direction and you are, you know, you're, you're near that, that, that waterfall or that stream, you know, you're not, you're not too far away from it actually starting to work. And I, and I, I don't think there's that many areas of digital marketing where you put a lot of effort in. And you have to wait for the tipping point, you know, like with social media, you know, organically, there's an element of that, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's just one of those things to be aware of. You need to um, you need to be in the game to start with um, and start before you feel ready. But just keep the faith and keep keep pushing, you know, pushing through mm. the steps that you should be doing. Thanks. That's good. Well, I'm, I'm aware our time is coming to a close actually we we're sort of um the hour is 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 almost upon us and there's two things i really want to ask you one of them is i want to know what tools you use in, uh, in your work because i think people will be really interested in that but firstly i want to ask you about a per- your personal experience in seo when you changed the name of your business uh you blogged about it i found that blog really fascinating um, and I really, I think, and so many businesses do change a major element of their business and or their name. And I think it just gives us a really interesting window into how SEO actually works. So tell us what happened with your name change. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't actually a name change. It was actually several. And that this is, this, <laughs> this is part, this is the bigger part of the problem. 
But essentially, when you think about SEO, um, you want to rank a web page. Um, sometimes, you know, usually a collection of web pages. But the way it works from a search engine perspective is the URL is where a search engine will build up history and trust. So that's pretty much everything you do. So all the technical stuff you do, all the content stuff you do, all the links you build to your site, it's all coming down to trust for a particular URL. And there are things you can do to improve the trust and to decrease the trust. And if you, even if it's just a web page on your website, if you, if you, if you do a free one redirect, now in theory, you all that trust or a very large percentage of that trust gets passed over. Um, and when I first moved um, domains, that's kind of what happened. At the time, my website was ranking number one for SEO training uh, in the UK. And, you know, I did the redirects. I was very thorough in how they how they were carried out, moved to zenoptimize.com, and it maintained the rankings almost perfectly. Wow. Slight wobble for a week or two. You must have been quite um, <clears throat> anxious during that time. I was quite anxious, but I had done a fair few domain migrations for clients, and they, they, they'd worked out pretty 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 well. And it was kind of at that stage where I, I had like a, a more SEO focused domain name and it was kind of like SEO was becoming less cool, like content marketing was the new thing. And I kind of felt like I didn't want to pinpoint myself down to Zen Optimize and my offering became a little bit broader uh, in terms of what I offered. So it made sense to me at the time to change. Um, and then I, I think I, you know, that was maybe for about four years I had zenoptimize.com. Then I moved to learnseofast.com um, and then I moved to tribeseo.com. And what happens is the more time you, you you change a URL or in this case a domain, there's there's a bigger chance of that, that history and trust that you've built up um, getting lost. And does that happen? You said most of that um, authority or um, reputation gets passed on? Is it that it gets chipped away out with each move or can you actually literally lose the lot in, 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 in a move? You, 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 well, I, I kind of did lose the lot in, yeah. in the, my last two moves. So with Learn SEO Fast, um, you know, I, I actually think from when I moved from Zen Optimize, it was fluctuating number one to number three for, for a keyword like SEO training. Um, and then, you know, within a week, it just went completely um, wasn't in the top hundred. Um, whereas previously, when I moved to Zen Optimize, I remember there was a time where I was number one for Zen Optimize and number two for my previous domain. I was like, "Hey, I've got wow. I've got two listings here. This is great." And then I just just stayed number one, which was cool. Whereas in this case, there, it it basically it took me eight months to get back to the first page of Google for the term SEO training. And it was, it's kind of a little bit, you know, with, with that in mind, like to change your domain name again, it doesn't sound like a sensible thing to do, but I really didn't feel like it, 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 it sounded right. Learn SEO fast. In fact, that's the name of my course now, yes. but it's not, it didn't, it isn't what I wanted my brand to be. Um, so I changed again and I kind of felt like, you know, worst case scenario, it's going to be similar to what happened before and I can work with that. Um, but it was, it, it was, it was actually, it was harsher. So it took... It's, it's taking longer to kind of get to where I was previously. Um, and I actually managed to speak to, um, it's quite not always that easy to do this, but I spoke to somebody at Google who kind of gave me their thoughts of what had happened. And it was to do, I forget the word that he used, um, 
but it was basically to do with historical baggage of the previous domain. So Tribe SEO was was a park domain for a number of years. It was on an auction website. I you know I did my research. I, I, you know I, I didn't have any bad links pointing to it. So I thought you know this looks a pretty neutral domain. It, in theory, it should it should be the same. But I think it, it's two things. One, there was baggage with the domain that that Google had some history, and two, I think it was to do with the chain of redirects. So in the space of you know four or five years, I had changed my brand four times, um, and each time I'd lost some history. Yeah. So I think you know my kind of tip really is. You, you know, there is, there's always a risk with, with any kind of redirect. It's like moving into a house and there being a really bad credit history hanging over the house, isn't it? You yeah. Know? It, you know, moving domain is like moving a house in, in many ways. It's, it's, it's quite stressful. You know, it, it's, you don't quite know how things are going to be. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, I, I think you have, to, you, you have to do it for the right reasons. You know, I think, I think I, I'm happy with my decision, but it hasn't quite worked out as quickly as, as I would like. But, um, yeah, just... just you know, my, my, my word of advice would be minimize brand changes. Make sure you definitely are happy with what you want to change to. And also just minimize um, redirects as well. Like if you've got a page that's ranking really, really well and you don't like the URL, you don't think it's perfect, but it's pretty good. Stick I, with I, it. I Stick with it totally, 100%. Um, and if you do change it, say to yourself, if I change it now, am I, am I happy with it? Because you don't want to keep changing um, yeah, you don't want to be losing history and trust. And I don't think that's really talked about that much in SEO circles, but that's that's something to kind of to bear in mind. And and just on that kind of, you know, I guess the sort of the opposite side from optimization, the kind of falling foul bit, you know, I, I hear about Google penalties um, and and kind of bad SEO. Is, that, is there such a thing? Are there, are there things that you can do that can absolutely destroy your ranking and what are they because i want to avoid them yeah well i mean when we think of like content technical and links there's like there's people specialize in technical seo but the reality is you've only kind of got a few positive um ranking si signals from technical but it's more about minimizing issues so you know if your website is throwing up lots of 404s um, if it's hard for search engines to crawl your content, then you, you, you may struggle in terms of rankings, but they're, they're not penalties. Those are almost like self-inflicting issues. In terms of penalties, Google is kind of a bit coy with using the word penalty. It's kind of like, you know, do, is there such a thing as a search engine penalty or have you just been demoted? Google's fallen out of love with your with your website a little. Um, now, I, I believe there are penalties. Um but, you know, one thing that could get you into trouble um, quite fast is, you know, paying for links. If you pay a blogger to link to your site with a keyword that you want to rank for as the anchor text for the words in the link, um, that's against Google's guidelines. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen people who have done that in excess and it, it has had a big impact on their rankings. You know, in one case, you know, I, I've seen that they, they didn't even rank for their own brand name. Um, that's really excessive. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, there's question marks around whether negative SEO is, is actually a thing. And neg negative SEO is where someone might build bad, uh, you know, bad backlinks to your site, which look paid, probably are paid. 
could be from some dodgy industries like gambling or that type of thing. Um, well, I'm not saying gambling's that dodgy an industry, yeah, you but, but you know, content adult content sort. as well. Um, Sorry, you're saying that you might uh, a competitor might do that to someone? Yeah, like it actually doesn't cost that much money. You could pe- probably pay someone on Fiverr, you know, $25 and they will throw a thousand bad links at your website. And that's called negative SEO. Um, and th- there's been a lot of tests out there in the you know, in the SEO world, which sort of says it doesn't really work and that it it isn't conclusive that it works. But at the same time, it is conclusive that people have had penalties for for building paid links and bad links. So I think what tends to happen is if it's something like Fiverr, maybe Google can work out that these are all really low quality backlinks. And it's, it's getting the vibe that this, 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 what wouldn't have been done intentionally, or if it did, it was, it was very amateurish. Yeah. But if you were sort of going for much more premium, authoritative and relevant sites and it looked like you had paid for the links and you were putting in the keywords you want to rank for, that's a bit more easier for Google to work out that actually we think we think you have been bending the rules a little bit here. So I think generally in terms of doing bad SEO, you, you rarely do it by accident the, the accidents tend to be more the technical side of things you may have done have got wrong you might have blocked search engines from accessing your content but when it comes to content and links you, you kind of know if you're doing the, the, the bad stuff you, you could kind of it's a kind of you could kind of sense would go if there's a google engineer sitting next to me right now would i do this you know and, and you would know the answer without knowing a huge amount of exactly how google works and just um for anyone's info if you do have bad links pointing to your site um there is a a way to disavow those links isn't there with google yeah so in in google search console you can disavow the links which basically means telling google to to discount or discredit those links now it can be like it can be a really laborious problem if you if you are getting you know some people are getting like thousands of new bad backlinks um you know a month and they might think it's from negative attacks or sometimes just when you have a big website, um, you get these crawler websites that start, right. they start to crawl your content. Sometimes they'll link to your content and, you know, it, it can be quite a big thing to disavow all these links. And, and, and then you start to start questioning whether you should disavow some of your important links, actually, which, which should, you know, because you're getting a little bit desperate. But I mean, I've had that, you know, in SEM Rush, um, you know, links from uh, Pinterest and all, all this international different domains get you know flagged as potentially worth disavowing and i'm very always very on the fence about whether to actually submit links for disavowing i don't really know if it's going to do any good so i've sort of left it i my general feed google has said like now it discounts bad links but you know there's there's a a sort of fuzzy area against well does that mean you can just buy loads of links Mm. but my my take on it is i mean i've i don't think i've disavowed any links on my own site even though I might have used a tool like SEMrush, which has flagged a couple of questionable ones, I think people generally start disavowing links if they think they've got a, a, a search engine penalty that's related to their backlinks. That's the that's predominantly when people start to do it. I, I, as a general housekeeping thing, if your website's doing okay, it doesn't hurt to keep an eye on it in case there are some kind of adult sites or, or things like that. But if it's something like Pinterest, you know, for me, that's that's a total neutral link. You know, it in some cases it might be a positive link. You know, so 
yeah, I, I think just taking a, a common sense approach. That's good to know. Thanks. That's useful. Help, helps me out. So not, not one less thing to uh, worry about, I think. Um, okay. So, and, and finally, I'd love to know, um, you know, I've dabbled with things like SEMrush, Screaming Frog and that kind of thing. Tell me um, what your kind of core tool set is that you call upon regularly. Okay. Well, I always have a, um, a subscription to Screaming Frog SEO Spider. Um, and for people that don't know, it's a it's, it's really for technical SEO pr- predominantly. So it crawls your website in a similar way to how a search engine would. And it reports all the URLs and it starts giving you information about those URLs. It's easy to see if you've got page errors on your site. You can even start to see how, it, how the web page is internally linked together through... Um, I can't remember if it's called InLinks. I think it might be called InLinks in, in another tool, but it gives you an idea of how the pages are connected. I don't think every, you know, and, and I think they've got a free tool for up to 500 URLs. So if your website isn't particularly big, or even if it is a big site, you can get a flavor of, of how it works. Predominantly, I use that for audits. So if I'm doing work for a client, that's one of the first things I would do. Or if I, you know, maybe I was working in-house, it's something that I would maybe do up at the beginning and maybe periodically it's not a tool i would would need that would use that often you know going forwards um so that's a good that's a good tool um google search console you know you know sometimes underlooked um strangely you know but it offers a lot of a lot of good features in there partly technical partly to do with content um i mean i think that update they did um a year ago or earlier this year i can't remember when I thought it was fantastic. Shows you your impressions and clicks and click-through rates on search results pages in a really nice interface. Yeah, and, uh, I think I think that data has been around for a while, but they with the new interface, which was about a year ago or so, they've they've pushed it more. Um, so yeah, it's it's great for showing you sort of low-hanging fruit. So if you've got you know maybe you've got your ranking for keywords on page two that you don't know about. And you can kind of ask yourself, can I improve the optimization for those for those pages? Um, so yeah, definitely Google Search Console. The the only other thing that I would would, would want to add is you've you've kind of got these all-in-one SEO tools like SEMrush, HRefs, uh, Moz, um, and I think for some people, you know, you kind of need to have those tools if you're if you're at an agency. Or you're, if you're in a decent-sized company, I'd probably recommend having a monthly subscription to those tools. But I think for a lot of smaller businesses, um, you know, even freelancers, they don't always need to have those tools on a month-to-month basis. And they'll, you know, they'll help with backlink analysis, they'll help with keyword research, and they'll help with lots of other things in SEO. But quite often, you can sort of turn them on and off when you need them. So rather than pay for a whole annual subscription, you might use it two or three times per year if you're a smaller business. But what the one tool that I would recommend, you know, if you do have some budget, is just to have like a, you know, t- to know what keywords you want to rank for and to actually track those keywords, particularly, you know, if you're at those early stages where you haven't got that much SEO progress. So if you if you are if you are using an all-in-one SEO tool, they pretty much all do the keyword ranking tracking for you, so so you're 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 sort of safe there. But it may be if if you if you haven't quite got the budget, or maybe you've got smaller resources, you might just want to go for a keyword specialist software. So um, I use um, AccuRanker. That's kind of more of the the premium range, 
or you could use something like Wincher or Rank Tracker, and they're a little bit cheaper. Um, so, yeah, lots of great tools out there. The one thing that I would say with tools is it's not going to do your SEO for you. Um, and a lot of these SEO, I really like um, Sem, in SEMrush, Moz, and HRefs. But even those aren't always perfect in some of the recommendations that they suggest. And some of the uh, SERP stats are never good all-in-one tool. But but some of the lower price tools are actually, in my opinion, are more confusing than they are helpful. So they'll say something like, you know, your title tag is um, 72 characters, which is two characters, you know, over the recommended amount. You know, here's a, a big cross for you, you know, and it's and it's kind of like, yes, these there, there are limits here to kind of obey. But you when you end up with, you know, 400 crosses, it's hard to see, you know, the the wood, the wood from the trees sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I would say about all these tools. It's the same with social management, social listening tools. Uh, any sort of analysis tool, you need an intelligent human sat in front of it to actually get something out of it. And they do, I think their their home pages and their landing pages do sometimes give the impression that they do the work for you, do the SEO for you. But um, I would definitely agree that's not the case. Yeah, and it, it's not. You know, we all like you know inbox zero, but it's not all about you know as much. Some issues are more important, but it's not about getting rid of all the issues that the tool reports because. It would have to be extremely sophisticated to be able to prioritize what things you should, um, you know, spend more time on what and, what's, and what things you shouldn't. Even Google and Google Search Console, like some of the issues it reports aren't actually, aren't really issues, but it's, it's you know, you've got to kind of interpret that a little bit um, yourself. But um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, I would say you want to lead with your own SEO strategy first and use these tools as, as a sort of complementary. Um, you know, if you're doing backlink analysis, you definitely need to use a tool. Mm. If you're doing keyword research, you, you pretty much need to use a tool to help you do that. But in terms of some of the, the, the technical side of things, that's where it gets a little bit more gray in terms of, you know, that, that's why I quite like Screaming Frog SEO Spider. It, it Rather than tell you what's wrong or right, you, you have to look at it and interpret it. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these other tools are trying to tell you whether it's right or wrong, when in fact the tool itself is sometimes finds it hard to interpret whether it's right or wrong. What you really need is an SEO expert. That's what you really need. That's what you really need to call, isn't it? So, um, and that's you. So um, tell us where, uh, just to cap off, tell us where people can find you and find out about you. What's, where are you on the web and in social? Yeah, so um, yeah, the website is tribeseo.com. Um, we provide online SEO training courses. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I think it's linkedin.com slash IN slash Joseph Williams. That's the one. Um, on Twitter, I'm Joe the SEO. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of, you know, the moving from London to uh, to Wales, the focus now is on online SEO training rather than um, in-person SEO training. So right now we've got um, a beta course. Um, but that so will- can people enroll in that? If, if they contact me through the, the, you know, through LinkedIn or through my website, then I, I can, I can kind of, um, you know, um, I, I, I can introduce you to the course that way. So people are using it and testing it, but it's probably more, it's maybe a month or two away from it being obviously, you know, I'm selling it to the public. Yeah. But um, cool. Well, good luck with that. And thanks so much for all your insights and um, experience and expertise and 
nuggets of uh, very, very valuable information there. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it, Well, So, um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.